Alan Mercer on Manx Radio. Fast am I. Good afternoon and welcome to Perspective on Manx Radio. On the programme this week... The terms of a new voluntary agreement with Manx Gas will now be brought to Timwald in October. Policy and Reform Minister Ray Harmer asked members to approve in principle the basis of a new deal, which includes a price drop of 7.4%. What I see is a, a whole raft of ideas, many of them incomplete, and um, are much detail missing. So I certainly don't see it as a, as, as a detailed arrangement of a deal. I find it quite disappointing, actually, if I'm totally honest. That was the July sitting of Timwald when Policy and Reform Minister Ray Harmer promised to have the terms of a new regulatory agreement with Manx Gas ready by the time politicians come back from their summer break. The previous agreement expired at the beginning of this year. So how did we get here? What will we see in October? And above all, what does all of this mean for gas customers on the Isle of Man? Please do get in touch. You can text us on 166-177 or you can email studio at manxradio.com with any questions or any thoughts on anything you hear. I'm joined live in the studio this afternoon by three people with an active interest in this saga. Barry Murphy's led a public campaign for a better deal for gas consumers on the Isle of Man. He's been the linchpin of the vocal and visible demonstrations over a number of years now. He's also behind the lobby forum IOM Gas Customers Working Group on Facebook. Douglas Central MHK Chris Thomas is the former Policy and Reform Minister. He oversaw government's negotiations with the organisation until he was dismissed from the Council of Ministers in May. I did invite Mr Thomas's successor, Ray Harmer, to join us. The bad news is Mr Harmer has a long-standing prior engagement and sends his apologies. The good news is we are joined by Ramsey MHK Laurie Hooper, who's a current member of the Cabinet Office. Fast my everybody, thank you for joining us. I should also add that invitations were also sent to Manx Gas itself and to the Office of Fair Trading. The Chief Executive Officer of Manx Gas said he can't take part in a live discussion as it goes against company policy. The Chairman of the Office of Fair Trading, Martin Perkins MHK, also has a prior commitment – However, he did say that while negotiations are ongoing, the OFT will continue to monitor Manx Gas, but as we have no part in the current negotiations, would not comment further at this time. Mr Murphy, if I can come to you first, um, when and why did you feel the need to speak out about this issue? Good morning, Alan. 2016, uh, a gas bill arrived through at my door, and the standing charges had unexpectedly hiked from what I think was at the time 16.5p per day up to over £1 per day. I think it was about £1.10 per day without any prior warning from Manx Gas and without any prior warning from government to which uh, after getting over the initial shock and nearly spilling my uh, coffee on the floor I decided that uh, I'd need to do some investigations into the matter so um, I put a little thing out on Facebook initially just to find out if anyone else had had a, a standing charge hike and where it, had all, where it had all come from at that time. And the conclusion at the time was really that it had come from the 2015 agreement, which in time we learnt obviously that it didn't come from that. It was, it, it was like a separate, uh, a separate thing, if you like. Um, so I set up a little group. Uh, initially, I think it was probably me, my wife and three or four friends of mine and Eventually, that got leaked out onto one of the bigger Facebook groups in the Isle of Man. And over the next three, four years, it's just grown, grown, grown. It's just add, 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 add. And I think now we're up to about 1,800 members. So you're, first and foremost, you're a disgruntled customer, basically. I was a very, very disgruntled customer because there was no pre-warning at all to, 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 to what had actually happened. And, of course, you know, this was bang in the middle of winter as well. So uh, it was unexpected. You've mentioned that that's three or four years ago. Um, you're still pretty disgruntled. I've quietened down a little bit now, darling, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm pretty mellow about it now. I've kind of, uh, I mean, look, the, the standing charges are gone now. We've gone back to um, to the old system. So the old system is, is pretty clear, really. It's a, kind of like a more of a pay-as-you-go system. So, uh, you know, we're down to 16.5-odd pence a day plus to that now. But, of course, what we mustn't forget is that when the stand, standing charges came down, the unit cost has also gone up. So um, it's a very good system in the summertime, but of course people need to be more aware of what happens in the winter. In the winter time, the bills will accrue and they'll accrue much faster. Um, 
I'm not disgruntled really anymore. Um, the Facebook page has changed name a number of times over the years. It, it, there's now no mention of Manx Gas whatsoever. Um, I, I don't have any bad feeling whatsoever towards Manx Gas at this stage because, to be perfectly honest with you, I blame the government more at this stage than what I actually blame Manx Gas for what happened. Um, so I, I'm, I, I just want a solution. Everybody wants a solution. I think that's fair to say. And that's why we're here today, to try to sort of bang out a solution of some sort. Mr Thomas, um, can you give us a bit of an indication as to how many people perhaps this affects on the Isle of Man? Because it's quite a big proportion, isn't it? All uh, gas uh, customers, um, so yeah, nearly 20, nearly 20,000, 25,000 people, depending on how you define uh, customers. And uh, the, the, the thing for gas is that the gas price is so much greater than the price of gas around us. Electricity price is a little bit more, but not a huge amount more. Um, water price is not a little bit more but not a huge amount more that doesn't feel like that sometimes sewage price you know was a bit lower but it's bit is rising but gas is at 100 percent premium and that's really shocking and the other thing is that poorer people um are, are, are dramatically affected by the gas price and uh it's been and that's why so many people owe so much to what barry's done and the group's done because back when they set up in 27 since then they've already had some achievements. First of all, they've removed the banded standing charge, and before that, they actually got the option to go on to band A as a default uh, situation. And most importantly, they got the chief minister to come out in his chief minister address back in, I think it was October 2017, to say he was going to set up his gas regulatory committee, and he invited David Ashford, Laurie Hooper, and Anne Corlett to be members of that committee at that stage. Tell us a bit about. Um, what happened? What's happened since then? I'd like to try and plot a bit of a timeline, really. So this this is three years ago that these things were already underway and already being discussed. Yeah, I'll start with what's happened since then, but we also need to go back with what happened before then to properly understand the issue. So what happened since then is uh, David Ashford became um, a minister. So around uh, six months after that committee was set up, I joined the committee as its uh, as its chair and worked really well with Laurie, with Anne Corlett, with a couple of uh, officers in government, and we engaged some excellent consultants in NERA um, who produced an excellent report which was published in February 2019. And the answer pretty much is in that report, as long as you add in what's happened since February 19 to make up your mind about the conclusion. And, but I said what happened before 2016-17 is also important and this has been my life in Manx politics. The first ever question I asked when I joined Tim World in June 2013 was about economic regulation energy bill because at that time it was in the legislative programme to have um, economic regulation alongside competition regulation to get value for consumers, value for the taxpayer, basically a good island in terms of prices and energy. Um, I, I then accepted the role of Office of Fair Trading and resigned in 2015 because of this bad gas regulatory agreement. Half of me thinks that Laurie and myself are now just playing with words in terms of imposed regulation. What we need is we need a fair deal. We need a deal that can be enforced against the public gas supplier. And that's what we're all looking for. And I really feel for Laurie at the moment because I was taken from this game. And that's what it is in a way. It's a game between the people of the Isle of Man and a natural monopoly player. But it's a very important game with serious consequences for real people's lives about gas supply. And, um, and I just I want to do everything I can you know, to work with Laurie to actually make sure that we have imposed regulation you know, against what the uh, shareholders naturally want in their own interests, in the interests of the Manx consumers and the Manx public. So it's a political game which has resulted in fuel poverty for Manx residents? It's not a political game in the sense that um, we're... Um, we're dealing with a powerful set of shareholders and gaming theory is how you negotiate with people. They obviously want what's in the interests of their shareholders. Obviously they care about their customers and they care about what, they, what, what, what the state can do. But this is, uh, you've got to see this as being one side versus another side. If one side gets voluntary regulation and the voluntary regulation is proved not to have worked for seven or eight or nine years, it's a bit daft to repeat the system that, didn't, that, that resulted in the bad situation and that's is, that is where we are now. I'm very disappointed not to have learned in my questions in August that the Rocky is not already at 6.99% because everybody apparently agrees that's what it should have been for a number of years. This is a I'm lot very... of technical jargon. What, <coughs> what does that mean for people who are listening? 
um, it, it, the return on the capital employed, how much the shareholders are, are, are making on to, in terms of their investments in the business. I'm very disappointed that Manx Gas hasn't come forward and announced that price reduction that's possible with that Rocky already because they have the right to do that. The world has changed now in one very fundamental way, Dolan. And if you're choosing, if you're choosing um, something to remember this uh, our discussion for, for, this might be a good point because basically once government. Uh, gave notice to Manx Gas on the 1st of July, the regulatory agreement changes. Now we're in a situation where the OFT, Treasury and the other government parties can take action against Manx Gas because we've now given notice and the agreement is different between 1st of July and 31st of December. And I'd be very disappointed to learn if um, that, that the government hasn't taken action to actually force a fair return on capital employed and also that reduction in prices, which they can now do in the last six months of the agreement, given that they've given notice. Thank you very much, Mr Thomas. So it's a, it's a long-standing issue. Uh, from what I can learn from your comments there, this has been going on for seven or more years. Uh, let's just cast our minds back quickly to the 19th of September 2017, when I think it was around 100 protesters gathered outside Parliament uh, to voice their opposition to what Manx Radio called controversial charges set by Manx Gas. So initially, at least, Mr Murphy, the problems were with this standing charge structure, which has been referenced there. That had been in place since January 2016, when Manx Gas entered into a voluntary regulatory agreement with the Office of Fair Trading to limit its profits. That's three years ago, and I remember this well, actually, mm -hmm. because I'd only been working at Manx Radio for about a fortnight at that time and went down to that demonstration. Do you think that you were listened to then, Mr Murphy? I look back now, it's a long time ago. Um, things have changed. I think back then it was more of an issue of... of uh, of an increased cost in standing charges. It was more of a case of looking at a gas bill and seeing an increase and trying to do something about it and possibly thinking that if, if, if we could be lucky enough or, or, or strong enough to remove that new system that was put in place, that maybe then everything would be okay. But I think, and this is just me trying to use my, my, my memory here, that the OFT is was the office of fair trading it was there to in my opinion to oversee or to try to do something about what could be perceived as unfair mm -hmm. I, or at the very least should have listened it's my opinion looking back um, because it wasn't just about protests for me you know I, I spent I sent several letters to the OFT I had several phone calls to the OFT some of them were very angry most of them didn't actually get anywhere because what they were very clear about is that it was nothing to do with them they wouldn't exactly tell me why it was nothing to do with them or if they did. I certainly didn't understand it at that time because, as I said to you a little while ago, there was very little information in place. All people knew, or all I knew, is there was a hike in standing charges which had made a drastic effect on my gas bill. Um, if, if you put me on the spot and asked me to give you an answer to that, I would say no. I, I don't think they actually listened. I don't really think anyone really wanted to listen. I mean, it was the first protest. There was a lot of people stood outside the door. There was a lot of people making a lot of noise. And It was about 100 people, wasn't it? It was, yeah. There was a lot of people making a lot of noise. And I remember the, the, the Max Gas van put, driving down outside the, the government offices that day and a big cheer went up and everyone was waving the banners. Yes, you know, it was, it was very difficult to ignore. But what I do think is, is I think probably... The government probably thought, or the Manx Gas probably thought that Barry and his bunch of people would pr probably go away eventually. But Barry isn't that kind of a person. I was never going to go away. I'm not. I don't start something off and then sort of dis disappear. So I think over time they started to listen. People started to listen because people realised that this group has grown stronger and stronger and stronger. And, of course, at that then the press were involved, Max Radio, all the other radio stations, the newspapers, and eventually BBC News got involved, ITV News got involved. So it was very difficult to ignore us. So over time they probably did. But I think on day one, in all honesty, um, there were some videos went around, and I'm not sure at, at that time that there was one or two political members took us seriously. No, I'll be honest with you. There's a couple of points in there. Uh, Mr Thomas, you mentioned that uh, you had involvement in the Office of Fair Trading uh, prior to the date I'm talking about. Can you tell us about what... The role of that body is uh, in in terms of this issue, if you could. 
well, the Office of Fair Trading is there to protect the consumer when the consumer needs protecting. <coughs> the Office of Fair Trading is there to uh, make sure that competition works when competition can be made to work. It's also got other functions, but in its view, throughout this gas regulatory agreement, it's been there behind the scenes to protect the consumer and essentially it took away the rights of the consumer and it also didn't properly handle the monopoly it had allowed to be created by giving, do, doing away with its rights between uh, 2015 and, 20, and, and the end of June 2020. So in my view the OFT has got to put its hands up and say we were wrong through this agreement and the next um, imposed regulation whatever form it has needs to actually have a proper regulator. I was absolutely shocked to learn in August that the OFT never once throughout the years of that agreement had actually spotted anything that was wrong in as much as it hadn't told Manx Gas it wanted anything changed about the return on capital employed or about the pricing. There's no evidence that it did and it actually conceded that it never done that. So we haven't had regulation. We haven't had the consumer's rights protected. Basically the agreement was really bad agreement and it needs to be fundamentally changed and it needs to and the consumers need somebody to stand up for their rights. Um, Big Al has been in touch and said the biggest problem is that these companies, so Manx Gas, Manx Utilities, Steam Packet, etc., they have monopoly on their services. We as consumers have no choice, so they can charge what they like. Do you feel there's any truth in that, Mr Thomas? That's right, and that's called, uh, just to use another label, I know you don't want to avoid it, but we need economic regulation where the market, and quite often there are markets like this in the Isle of Man, can't um, allow competition because there's not enough uh, turnover in the market, basically, or there's something to do with the physical supply such that you can't have competition. We need to have regulation that works. The gas... We're in that situation with gas. We could, we are potentially in that situation with transport, with this, um, on island and off island. We're in that position potentially with various parts of communications, and so we do need a proper system for economic regulation. And that's been my approach. I put down that first question back in 2013, and when I had a degree of responsibility um, for the program for government, you will see all over the program for government back in 2016, 2017. There's a, a there's a, an outcome that's that's stated we're going to achieve, and there's action to get to it to have a new system of economic regulation that's why I feel so frustrated and disappointed but I hope that we can rescue this from the jaws of defeat and we can actually put in place a really good system of regulation in the few months we've got left by working together government and myself and the consumer group in the interest of the Manx public who we represent as politicians. Um, Laurie Hooper joins us who is a member of the cabinet office um, is there anything you don't agree with that you've heard so far Mr Hooper? <coughs> um, some of the the detail I think um so just in response to, to your call of question, it isn't quite accurate that Max Gas can charge whatever they like. They're only allowed to charge uh, whatever it is that will generate them that fixed return that's in the agreement. Now, I completely ag agree with, with Chris and Barry here that the, that agreement just was never fit for purpose, actually. Um, it, was, it's, it is not a good agreement. I think we, we can all agree that. I think the Gas Regulatory Committee report was pretty clear on that, that the, the rate of return that was allowed was too high. The level of enforcement in there is, is practically non-existent, actually. Um, so I think it's a little bit unfair to blame the OFT for not taking action when actually the, the ability of them to take action within the confines of that agreement was quite limited anyway. So it wasn't as if they were given a big stick they could use uh, to go and beat Max Gas with. The agreement uh, essentially took a lot of those those powers away from them. Uh, and in, when it comes to any action that government could take now uh, within the notice period of the agreement, there's two things that government can do now, now that the notice period has been uh, started. The first one of those is uh, they could conduct an investigation into whether the pricing system is, is, I think the language is fair, but essentially that's they could do that. Well, the Gas Regulatory Committee has already done that piece of work and concluded exactly. that it was too high, so you don't need to do another investigation. We know it's too high. The other thing that they could do now under the agreement is start to bring in legislation, and, and that's, again, what is already happening. So the two things government can do during the notice period, it is actually doing. Uh, the only uh, sticking point really is whether or not we'll actually need that legislation, because if we can get a good uh, agreement with Manx Gas to replace the existing one, you don't need to go through all the hassle then of, of actually changing the law and bringing in a statutory regulation. And this comes down to what Chris was talking about. What do we mean by impose regulation? Um, I think it's always, if you read the, the motion, you listen to the debates, impose has always had that statutory connotation. We will do this to you. Can you explain that difference to us? So this is this is basically about what options are available to Manx Gas. It's more, more what options are available to the government, really. So in simple terms, you can you can always agree something with anyone. So the government could agree, as they, had, as they did back in, in 2016, 2015, to say, look, let's... Uh, 
let's not do certain things. So we won't bring in a statutory regulation regime. We won't do price investigations. But on the other hand, if we do this, you Manx Gas will agree to only sell gas at certain prices. You'll agree to do other things that we built within the agreement. So there'll be things in there. I mean, there's talk of a social tariff. There's talk of commitments on climate change, all those kind of things, which you can get out of a voluntary agreement. Statutory regulation is, is slightly different. That's where government says, this is what we need you to do. And there's no real negotiation. It is just the House of Keys would say, that's the price we're going to set. And, you know, this is the system it's going to be. And you could allow the OFT, for example, to, to tell them what the price cap is going to be. That's the way they work in the UK. They, the Ofgem just says, that's the most you can charge. End of. You know, there, it isn't a, a negotiated uh, approach, really. The, the weakness of that approach is that you can't backdate it because obviously you can't make laws apply to things that have already happened. That, that's just not particularly a fair way of governing. Uh, and the other downside, obviously, to that is you might lose some of those uh, nice-to-have elements that you could get through a voluntary agreement. So it would be difficult, I think, to impose climate change obligations on uh, a private firm, specifically on a private firm. You might be able to do it across the whole energy market, uh, but you probably wouldn't be able to get away with doing that inside uh, a Manx gas-specific agreement. So I think both routes have pros and cons to them, uh, and that's, I think, what Tim Wald acknowledged, really, in, in the debate in, in July, that uh, there are two routes of going down this. Uh, we've basically been told by Tim Wald, do both of them at the same time, uh, and if you can get an agreement, great. If you can't get an agreement, then we'll legislate, uh, and that's really the position that Tim Wald has, has left us in, which is that the, the agreement is the preferred route primarily because of those kind of winder issues and the backdating ability, I think, and the flexibility it gives you. But then actually, if we can't reach a good agreement, and it has to be a good deal, a fair deal for the Manx customers at the same time as providing us with a secure and reliable gas infrastructure, if we can't get it a good deal, then it's cards on the table. Well, that's fine. We're not going to sign up to a, a bad deal for another 10 years. That's just ridiculous. So if the deal we, we get isn't a good deal, government's made itself very clear that we'll just walk away from the table and go straight back to the, the legislative route that, that Chris is talking about. Mr Thomas, is so, there anything you disagree with there? Oh, just a small point. I mean, there's a lot of the language that Laura's using is, is similar to the language I would use, I think, the aim. But there's just one point, and this is the, the sort of carrot that was dangled in front of members in July misleadingly. The, the, the current gas regulatory agreement is ex post. It's done afterwards. You have a regulatory adjustment um, afterwards for three years. So both sides agree that the new Rocky should apply from... Uh, 1st of January 2020, there's absolutely no way that Manx Gas shouldn't be giving uh, back the £100 or whatever it is to the customers for 2020. And the existing gas agreement, especially in the last six months, makes it obvious that that can be imposed onto Manx Gas because of the fact that you can can do certain things in the last six months that you couldn't do beforehand. So it's an absolute myth to put out that we have to agree a voluntary agreement rather and and, and if we don't do that, we won't get the, um, the refund. That's not the case. There's enough in the gas agreement and if, if you don't think that's the case, I think you should get an opinion about that because uh, it's, you know, there, there's a review after five years of the Rocky in the agreement. There's actually mechanisms that are there in terms of contesting DOBs and the agreement is still in place until the end of December. So that's something that should be looked at closely in September. We don't need to discuss it now because we're taking, you know, this is a, as I said, it's not a political game. This is a game between negotiating parties and we don't want to negotiate in, in out, outside. We want to do this behind clause. But you need an opinion about what exactly you can do and if, and it was wrong of the ministers to actually be saying that take it or leave it in terms of those things we have to ha- accept a voluntary agreement see I'm not I don't think I, I agree with that again the, the the agreement does allow certain things to happen absolutely but if you follow that logic through then actually you're not backdating a price uh, change what you would be saying is we'll give it back to you over the next three years uh, in line with the current agreement now I think everyone acknowledges that three years isn't fair three years is too long to wait for a refund especially if you maybe you've moved off gas or your gas consumption has changed and actually it's not really fair to say that what we're going to do is give a it's sort of a blanket use back and it's based on your your future use of gas so really it's the higher if you use no gas in one year and loads of gas in the next year you get a much bigger refund than what you already would have paid. Max Gas agreed in, 20, in 2017 when, when, when Barry was putting pressure on his group was putting pressure on that the, the regulatory adjustment wasn't uh, wasn't transparent and fair that was a big thing that Rob Collister focused on and back at the end of 2017 five or so Timbal members went in to see the senior people with the OFT officers according to Rob Collister's Facebook page they went in there and had a discussion with them and at that that time they got a promise for clarity on that 
regulatory adjustment, and that's three years ago. You know, that's what we're talking about in imposing. It's absolutely right that now the game is up on the 9.99%. We need to have 6.99% from when the game was up. The game was up when our, our report was published from NERA with the, with the conclusions, and the game was up when it was reported by the Ministers of Policy and Reform, both of us, me, and then, and then the uh, subsequent I think the point, one. The point I'm trying to make is how far back could you impose something? So, for Certainly example... Certainly to 1st of January 2020. See, again, that's that's probably not fair to say that because if you look at the wording of the agreement the notice period from june is is the bit that you can do these investigations and things in so could you then backdate and say actually we can apply these more flexible rules to the much more rigid period before that i'm not sure you could actually i don't think that's the way that you've had an opinion i haven't and it sounds like you have which is good and if you could share that with us that would be brilliant mr murphy from the consumer's point of view we're talking here about basically giving people a refund for being overcharged for 2020 is that what the consumer wants, do you think, from, what, from, what, from your experience, from your discussions with other people? The thing is, even though I'm sat in the middle and I'm representing the consumer, I probably know more about most of this, probably than really probably anyone else most of the time that's actually looking at, looking at it. I probably at least know the same amount. Um, you definitely know more than me, mm-hmm. and you definitely know more than most of the people listening. The, the problem is, but- is anybody you, does, first of all, does anybody believe me? Or, or who actually in the long term is, is, is actually going to, to agree with what I say. So, so this, this is how I see it. There's actually three parties here. There's, there's, and I've said this before, you've got rec- records of all of this. Consumer, Manx Gas, government. Let's, let's, let's never forget that the government have an involvement here. So when we talk about gas bills and, and, and this uh, 60% minimum, um, uh, that, that we pay over and above the off-gen price cap in the UK, and that's the minimum, which, in fairness, it could actually rise up more towards 100% we're paying more if, if somebody wants to do the calculations on it. That is not simply brought about by the fact that there's a, a 9.99% rocky uh, cap on profits. That is due to the cost of transportation, of moving wholesale gas from the, the UK down the pipeline Take Glenmore and then bring it back to to, to Paul Rose and then transporting it back out retail. That's where the majority of the costs are coming from. So we mustn't forget this as this moves on. That this this idea that bringing a, a fair price to the consumer is actually going to be achieved by just reducing this rocky is is not going to happen. The government have to be honest and transparent and say we are charging Manx Gas too much money to transport gas and then sell it back to Manx Gas so they can then sell it retail. There's a two-way, two-way problem here. But actually, the, the, the government side of the problem is probably far larger than the Manx Gas side of the problem. That's, that, that's the first thing I'd say to you. So 6.99% isn't going to be enough. And it is not in any way going to come close to satisfying the, the actual demands of, of gas consumers. It's just not going to be enough. What figure would? Well, we looked for, we looked for 20%. We've openly pleaded, begged... Uh, and almost to the point we've got down our knees and said, look, if, if, the, if the average amount is 60%, why don't we go for a realistic amount to try to bring this to some sort of a mutual uh, uh, kind of a, a solution and, and let's go for 20%. When this supposed new voluntary deal came to Timwald in July and we were promised that the terms of the heads of terms were going to be laid in front of Tim Wall and everyone was going to be much clearer. It was pretty much kind of understood that, that we were going to be looking at 12.5, 12.9% discount. That's certainly what the, the, um, the Manx uh, media publications came up with at, at that time. But what we don't know is how guaranteed that 12.9% is. Because I promise you one thing, Dolan, and I'm pretty sure the two gentlemen here can also agree, that if you just reduce that to 6.99%, you are not going to get anywhere near 12.9%. If you, if you just reduce that, for that rocky cap from 9.99 and then bring in what they call, now call the WAC, the wacky number, 6.99, you're not going to get this 12.9%. Mr. So Hooper, you're shaking your head. Yeah, so there's a lot in there that you need to unpick, I think. So the, to start off with, the current agreement is not a profit cap. It is an agreed return. So the agreement basically says Manx Gas will get 9.9% 
there's not a cap, there's not a maximum. That's what the agreement says. You will get this return. So all the costs that Barry's talked about, he's right. It is. It does cost more on the Isle of Man to deliver services. We all know that. But all of that is already factored into that nine percent. So if you do, if you reduce that from nine to six, which is what we're talking about here, nine point nine to six point nine then you do get a, res a reduction because all those other costs actually they're not really relevant in the grand scheme of things because you've told Max Gas the amount of money they're allowed to make it's it's a third lower so you're asking for a 20% reduction you're actually looking at a, a nearly a th or just over a 30% reduction actually moving from 9.9% to 6.9% it's nearly a third lower so you've got to bear that in mind that actually that is that's that's a big change so the question will that deliver a, a 7.4 12.6% reduction in bills it's a good question to ask, uh, and based on the numbers, obviously, that, that Manx Gas have, have provided Timwald and the, the information that's in the, the Timwald reports, uh, that will happen. So that's that's what the effect of that is. So the uh, it's, it all gets quite technical, talking about whack and rocky, but the important thing to bear in mind is whatever the, the workings of the agreement in the background are, the aim of the agreement is to reduce prices for customers in line with the regulatory committee's report. And so the question really, it's always in my mind, is whatever you do in the background, how much will this reduce your bills by? And that, that's the number that's been given to Timwald of 7.4% is, is the actual, that's the effect of reducing the, the wax straight up. There is a slightly complicating factor, which again, Barry's absolutely right about, that Manx Gas buys its gas through, through the government, so through the MUA specifically. Uh, and that's, that's done on a pass-through basis, so Manx uh, utilities don't make a profit on that. Uh, but there is an agreement to use some of the pipe work and the assets underlying it. And that's what I think Barry's talking about when he's saying that we're, the government is charging uh, Max Gas over the odds for, for the use of that network. And again, the, the agreement that was tabled in front of Timwald uh, had a, a, an acknowledgement of that in, and this is actually if we can reduce those costs, that's how you get up to that 12.6%. Mm -hmm. to say let's, let's pass through costs on a, on a slightly fairer uh, basis. So, like I said, there's a lot to unpick there. But in essence, reducing that rocky will have a direct impact on on Manx Gas's profit will have a direct impact on bills that consumers pay and the the anticipated reduction because it is only an anticipated you right you can never know for certain until you actually run some of these numbers through it will be up to those figures that are uh, set out there in the Timwald report again it gets slightly more complicated in the transition period because there will be people that are receiving uh, their three-year rebates and there'll be people that are in the middle of that there are people that, that maybe aren't in the middle of that so actually an individual customer is going to see a, a different uh, number on their bill depending on exactly where all the the time scales and, and things end up but that's why the, the language in it in the report is always an up to figure because actually you can't say that this is definitely what will happen i think as we get a bit further through the the process and more of this stuff is worked out you will start seeing much more firm figures coming out from from manx gas or from the government saying actually we we know now what the impact is going to be because we've we've agreed on what's going to happen with that transition period we've agreed what's going to happen with those customers in the middle of a three-year rebates and, and all, all the other complicating factors especially and most importantly agreeing uh, what the new rates at manx utilities will be charging uh, Max Gas to, to use some of those assets. That will be a, a big factor, I think, in this. Okay, let's come to a couple of listener comments. Um, James has been in touch. He says, Afternoon, Dolan. It's a bit rich that the CEO of Manx Gas has refused to participate in the programme as it is against company policy. That is insulting to the customers of Manx Gas and displays the company's contempt towards them. Bad PR. Also, I think government has waffled about this scandal for too long. That's from James. We'll go to another one. This is from Howard Quayle. I presume it's not the Chief Minister. Good morning, or good afternoon. I've downloaded the proposal for new regulations. Several sections leave doubt as to security for domestic consumers. Page 5, section 3.3, limits the amount of gas, 12,000 kilowatts per hour. They can consume before new pricing levels feeds in. I brought this to the attention of Mr Harmer and the reply came back from the Chief Minister's office that it had been changed but it had not altered one iota from Howard. If it helps, I can clarify that. So the the uh, new voluntary agreement uh, that's been tabled in front of Timwald will actually split customers into two groups. So you'll have all of your domestic customers. Doesn't matter how much gas you use, if you're a domestic customer, you are included in the regulated price element. For businesses, on the other hand, there will be a split. So those businesses that use less than 12,000 kilowatt hours uh, a year will be included in the, the 
price capping, essentially. Those businesses that use more than that uh, won't be included in the price capping, and that's on the basis that businesses that are of that kind of size generally have the, the negotiating power to go to Max Gas and, and uh, discuss tariff rates with them, or to say, actually, you know what, I'm going to switch to a different type of, of energy use. So that 12,000 cap is only in relation to businesses. Uh, all domestic customers would be covered by the regulated uh, elements in here. Any thoughts? Any thoughts, Mr. Thomas, on what you yeah, heard? Yeah, very much. Um, thanks to Howard for that question, and I think we've got a good answer there. Can be reassured. And the previous question was about we 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 can't stand waffle now, whether it be from Manx Gas or from government. We've got to get to a resolution. And all three people of this panel agree with that. And I put it to Laurie firstly. How are we going to divide the costs and the revenue between those two categories without a, a strong regulator? Because we've had six years of the 2015 agreement. There are mechanisms in, the play, in, in place in that agreement to actually um, take away costs if they're not fair, and none of them have ever been used. And so there are, there are powers inside the agreement to enforce it, and none of that's happened. But the, um, the most important thing is I want to go back to the question from about five minutes ago that you asked, Ol, and you asked Barry, about um, what really matters in this. And what really matters is the price of gas that people pay in coming years and Barry's made the really good point that a lot of that price depends on Manx utilities uh, charging and pricing um, policies and I'll give you an example the thing that the moment I was most disappointed in July was when the chair the former chair of MUA said that the uh, the massive financial bonanza of nine million pounds a year, which happens in September 23, when we don't no longer have to pay the finance lease cost for the 120 million pounds pipeline that we have for gas to come to the MUA and to gas customers, that's all going to electricity and water and sewerage customers. None of it's going to gas companies. Did Laurie know that? Did I know that? Did uh, Did Barry know that? Did all the things that that decision was taken in 2017? You said former chair of Max Utilities. Is this Dr Al Allenson? Dr Allenson acted as if I was being stupid to suggest that it was important that we actually understood what was going to happen to that bonanza in September 2023 when the cost didn't incur. And I don't think the public's ever heard that figure before. But all of that money was earmarked to pay off the bonds under the MUA medium uh, long-term financial plan none of it was going to go to gas customers that's a policy decision that's never been to Tim Wood I don't think Minister Ashford who at the time was head chair of housing committee in Douglas would have known that when he was put, putting in a uh, gas gas uh, heating plants in uh, in Annika and in Williston and the like I don't think the private sector would have known that it gets even more complicated when we get into climate change because now we've got massive unknowns to do with how we're going to decarbonize so the whole gist of my position for the last decade has been we need economic regulation so we can deal with these things in a fair way for the whole of the Manx public, including gas customers. You know, electricity customers, fine, the electricity price is, is now reasonable, but that costs £15 million in a price freeze between 2011 and 2014. It costs £95 million when debt was written off in uh, 2017, 2018. We had a price freeze in 1819 as well, and gas customers are paying for this effectively and that can't be right and it's going to get even worse and what we need to know in the next few months is exactly what the what, what, what's going to happen to the gas price we can't we can't know what the world price of gas is going to be but we can know what the government is going to do in terms of the shrinking number of customers that gas is going to have now this is out there and how the costs the fixed costs the huge fixed costs are going to be imposed on gas customers or whether somebody else is going to share in those at the MUA and in the wider Manx public revenue I just want to play a quick clip now. This is from three years ago, ahead of the protest in September 2017. Um, a director at Manx Gas at the time, Robert Gardner, denied customers were being overcharged, but said they were entitled to make their views known. People are, are free to, to do as they wish in terms of representing how they feel. We won't obviously be um, doing anything in, to counter that or to, to influence that. It'll be down to the people that are currently on social media to determine what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. This went through a lot of consultation and discussion with the OFT and we obviously produce information and data to OFT to demonstrate under the, under the voluntary regulatory agreement that we have that we're not overcharging, that we're not making excessive profits within the business. So that was September 2017. Um, Mr Murphy, do you still feel that Manx Gas customers were being overcharged, are being overcharged? Um. I believe that the previous government signed up to something that they simply shouldn't have signed up to. Um, 
you know, the 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 the, the current government really cannot be per se blamed for something that happened before they, you know, before this administration. So, um, history and study tells me now that Manx Gas really have just followed and 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 adhere to pretty much what they were allowed to to do, and the government pretty much for the last for for the first probably three years of the agreement but you know before this sort of all came into the public domain pretty much allowed things to carry on as they as they did sort of carry on so i'm not no i don't believe that they that they overcharged i believe that they're doing extremely well out of isle of man um gas consumers and i believe in many ways they should they should be somebody should be here today and sort of explaining their side of the story but you know i don't have any um major gripes with max gas at this stage whatsoever um you know that they were given an agreement. They've clearly adhered to the agreement because I'm assuming if they hadn't done the OFT, would have had something to say about it. Um, so it's not a question of for me anymore about what's happened before today. All I'm worried about is what's happening right now and what's going to happen in October. I hope I will get to speak to Manx Gas um, soon, Mr. Thomas. At that time, we're speaking about you were in post as Policy and Reform Minister. What can you tell us about the negotiations with Manx Gas at that stage? Three in 20, years, 2017. Um, non-existence from a political level at that time. OFT issued a press release through government that said we are the regulator for gas agreement. It was only after the uh, gas committee reported in February 2019 that government then moved responsibility for regulation to um, to officers from cabinet office, attorney general's chamber, and. Uh, and um, and I, I became involved towards the end of that time went, uh, to, 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 to stir things up politically. Initially, the chief minister, he had the first meeting, and then I took over from the um, chief minister. So back in... I, I, I'm more negative on OFT than, than than Barry has. He's mellowed, you know, because basically OFT has let down the consumers because they, they've, they've, they've seen Manx Gas's side and they've seen themselves as having to defend Manx Gas too much all along the way. And I do believe that government, we've let ourselves down because we haven't been completely transparent about some of the pricing for gas and we haven't pursued... Um, the economic regulation agenda that we set out on 10 years ago. In 2011, it was government policy to have an economic regulation uh, piece of legislation for energy, and that should be extended for communications and for transport. It's just, it's a bit difficult. It's not in, you know, we, we don't have joined up government. There's no actual natural expert in the civil service in terms of regulation, mm-hmm. and so we needed to be bolder. And so, in, in fact, we've got to be open. The OFT has let down the consumer in so many areas in the Isle of Man and government in terms of developing public policy has let down the development of law and public policy around economic regulation. And that's why I was absolutely delighted to get it all over the programme for government in 20, the beginning of 2017, but we didn't deliver because it wasn't anybody else's priority as much as it was mine, and it is difficult. And we've now got a few months. Laurie's a good guy. He understands this pretty well, and together we can actually make great progress as long as we understand that um, it, it's difficult, but we need to solve it You know, working together, and we need legal opinions, and we need to think of this as in terms of game theory. You know, Nobody's going to give in on this. As, as Laurie explained it so clearly, Ancala... They're a good company. They have good shareholders. They're exactly the sort of private investor we need as we begin the decarbonisation agenda. But at the moment, they've got a guaranteed 9.99% return. Uh, and there's nothing that we've done about it in the last seven years. And we've got to be in a position whereby we get to a new situation where we have better regulation for the Isle of Man. Is game theory why we're still here and why consumers are still paying what they're paying? It's, 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 it's difficult. Negotiating with the steam packet was difficult, but we we, we managed that. Um, we've still got some disastrous areas of regulation in the Isle of Man alongside um, gas. I hope to, that we can move on to next. But gas has come to be the fore. Manx gas must feel picked on in a way because it's a relatively small business compared to Manx utilities and compared to some other uh, markets where government has probably got an abusive position, if truth be known, and so on. But we won't go down in, in those lines today. But what we need, and we have got this scheduled, is we need a competition uh, bill to come to the House of Keys in October. And as part of that competition bill, we need to set out a legal framework to deal with economic regulation. And we need to have a, a body imposed um, that can actually force through these proper agreements. I am encouraged in one particular way, which is we have 
have now found a really good consultant to help us. The NERA report for gas that we got as the Gas Regulatory Committee was absolutely brilliant. There are probably other firms out there that could have done just as good a report, but we've actually really got a penetrating report. And a couple of years before that, that same firm, NERA, did a really good report on Manx Utilities regulation, which was equally good. So there are external experts out there that can help us. There are lawyers out there that can help us, but we now need to amass our troops and we need to be in a better place for the Manx customer and the Manx public that we represent, Laurie and I, as politicians um, as soon as possible next year. And we need to show the Manx public that we need to get uh, we need to get that £7,500 back to 1st of January 2020. I think what Barry would have said is it's not the most important thing necessarily because he's sensible, he's looked this through and he can see that there's more fundamental things like economic yes. regulation, like sorting out how we do the decarbonisation agenda, like how we do the Manx Utilities plan for the future. £75 is trivial compared to that, but it does matter. Mm-hmm. It's deeply symbolic and it was absolutely f- infuriating to hear ministers, one after another, account. say that we couldn't get that unless we agree everything. Exactly. It's, it's interesting. I mean, the question that you've asked really is why are we still here? And I think the answer to that really is uh, for 12 months we didn't really have a great deal of progress. Uh, all we've managed to do in the last uh, couple of months is take the current or the previous negotiating tack and strategy and, and approach over the, over the line. So we had 12 months uh, where actually it was Chris that was leading on these negotiations. And it's quite difficult to hear now, actually, that we should have taken a completely different approach. Because if that's the case, why on earth did you spend 12 months trying to negotiate a new voluntary agreement if your position is, and by the sound of it has always been, we need statutory regulation? I don't disagree with a lot of what's been said. You know, we we probably do need, uh, uh, actually, we absolutely need a strong, uh, enforceable set of regulations around gas pricing. I'm not convinced that the only way to do that is through a statutory body which will have costs associated with it to set up. And that's actually what the NERA report said. If you go down the statutory route, it will cost you money, it will be expensive. And I think their uh, their eventual conclusion in respect of whether we should go down that route, I think they, they called it finely balanced in terms of actually how much would this benefit the consumer. And that's essentially what I'm interested in, is how much are we going to benefit the consumer with this approach. So whilst in, in theory, independent economic regulators, they all say, great and all sound fantastic we've got to remember we are a small jurisdiction and if there are better or more efficient more cost-effective ways of delivering that same level of regulation we should definitely be be going down those routes which is why i think we have spent 14 15 months going down this voluntary negotiation route because in the grand scheme of things that is almost what was recommended by the the consultants it wasn't actually recommended because they weren't really uh, engaged to do that but they did talk about the finely balanced nature of this and so doing this as a as a first port of call probably is the most sensible thing to be doing the way you need to build into this agreement that strength of enforcement that strong oversight i think i think you can do all of that without necessarily having to go down a more expensive statutory route which would then obviously have more costs associated with it which would then uh, reduce the amount of benefit you actually see as a consumer so this i'm not saying that the approach that was taken by Chris was wrong. I think it probably was the right approach, but it is quite frustrating to be on the other side of this now, hearing that this approach that he's decided to take for the last year and a half, it turns out it might not have been the right approach at all. Um, we are running out of time. Very quickly, Mr Thomas, if you could. Uh, the Chief Minister said in the July sitting of Timwald that a lot of the blame should lie at your feet, having been at the negotiating table for a number of months. Um what would you say in response to that, really? It's, it's not the main point. It, most politicians are a bit narcissistic, and I'm certainly not. What we need is the right policy. I can show you that from since 2011, I've l- believed in economic regulation for the Isle of Man. Um, what Laurie misses and what the Chief Minister misses is conclusion seven for our report is that the regulatory agreement should be in line with the approach to regulation that's evolving, which includes uh, statutory regulation. That's in the report that he signed up to, and 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 and. But the most important thing in this is what matters is the is the is the gas consumer. Um, I'm going to give you another headline that you could uh, use. Basically, it's easy. Um, to lead donkeys to water but it's really quite hard to get them to drink when they're at the water and uh, you know this is a massive change in how we do public policy it's been incredibly difficult and I've tried to put in place throughout my time in Manx politics the right approach to uh, regulating natural monopolies in the interests of the uh, consumer and the wider public interest and I really hope now that we can go beyond the rhetoric of you know, that's a bit disappointing that, the, the, that Laurie associated himself with that sort of blame aspect that the Chief Minister encouraged ministers to do. And 
and I hope he moves beyond that and we can now sort well, sort things blame. out. Yeah, Chris, it's just a, it's an honest question. This is the approach that you set out, that you chaired the committee with this report, and I thought the report was very good, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have signed up to it. This was the approach that you took for the year and a bit you were leading the negotiations, yeah. and now at the back end of that, you seem to have changed tack. I don't, I don't understand well, I haven't, why I haven't you've changed, done that. I haven't changed tack, Laurie, but there's just two points that I'll leave you in closing. The first one is that the assessment in the NERA report wasn't of a regulator versus not of a regulator. It was of incentive-based regulation versus cost-based regulation. If you read the report in, in the um, in the fine detail, that's uh, that's very clear. And the um, the second point is it's incredibly frustrating that to hear the OFT admit that they have got no idea what the cost of regulation is. Um, I know I know how much we spent on Nera. Um, I can reveal it now, I think, because I was able to reveal it if anybody in Timwood had ever asked. But for about sixty or seventy thousand pounds on Nera and lawyers, we've actually got a really good uh, approach to economic regulation, and uh, so therefore we have in practice showed an alternative way and I hope Laurie that we can move beyond the rhetoric and the blame and we'd actually put in, in place good pricing for whatever for whatever energy source for whatever space heating source in the next few years in the light of good regulation and a good approach to decarbonisation what matters is Barry's decision about whether he gets rid of his gas boiler or he doesn't get rid of his gas boiler at the moment I would strongly advise Barry to get rid of his gas boiler because it really doesn't stack up having gas compared to electricity in the next coming years that might not be what the government intends, but that's what the figures, to me, show people, and that's what should be going out there. Just get rid of gas, and it was wrong for Douglas Borough Council and all the other people to actually put poorer people into, into gas heating, because gas is much more expensive compared to electricity relative to other things, and it's going to get even worse unless we get the public policy right and the regulation right. We have about a minute to go. I'm going to finish with a couple of listener points. Um, Andy says, please, uh, how getting rid of a good price control agreement for the sale of gas is helping climate change objectives? Uh, He's also spoken about, as you've sort of alluded to there, Mr. Thomas, installing solar roof panels and air source heat pumps um, instead of uh, fossil fuels. Um, A bit of number crunching from a a CIF. In 2015, the MEA bought gas at the highest price of 2p a unit in that year. At its cheapest rate that year, it was 1.2 pence a unit. The MEA later sold it onto Manx Gas at a loss of 1.8p a unit. I believe it had been, if, it, if it had been bought at 1.2p a unit, it would have saved around £15 million. Uh, I, I am not in a, posi- in a position to do the maths, but we'll, we'll, we'll go for that. Just finally, with a minute to go, Mr Murphy. Um, uh, what would you like to see in October? I've got please? a minute, so I'm going to be very quick, so I've got a few things written down here. Ten years, not acceptable. Ten-year voluntary agreement on yeah. the no conditions, unacceptable. Because lots, lots can change in a decade. A, a huge amounts. Ten years, not acceptable, and I'll speak to Laurie and Chris about that at a later time. Uh, one of our members, there's been there's 16, 1,700 members. One or two of them are very influential. Uh, one of them has got this very good idea that what future we should be looking at tracking the off-gem price cap so whatever the off-gen price cap is in the uk we should have a tracking mechanism to ensure that we never go above our, our charges never go above that that track um i've got reservations regarding the twelve thousand kilowatt hours uh, units for business customers Twelve thousand yeah. units is the average for a for a a, a good sized domestic dwelling probably a four bedroom domestic dwelling business customers need to, need to be getting involved and they need to understand about where this new voluntary agreement if it's agreed where it's going to take them because I believe it, it is a danger that they could be subsidising domestic customers when I met the co- uh, committee back in 2017 we had an expert on utility regulation that sat uh, with, the, with the committee she's going to remain nameless but she's very influential I believe that she made it clear at that time that we needed a, a proper regulation regulator involved here that the OFT were not up to the job they're proven and up to the job so 100% behind what Chris is saying Chris is thinking of a longer term solution I think many in government I'm not going to include Laurie into this because I'm not too sure but a short term fix is not the solution we need to be looking at bringing all utility companies whether they be Manx Gas the MUA Shore Telecom Manx Telecom and Transport into this into a long term regulatory framework and the other last thing is social tariff. For the last four years, Manx Gas have constantly ra- rabbited on about this social tariff that they're going to implement. They still haven't implemented it. So I would plead with Laurie to ensure that the social tariff is included within any agreement in the future. Thank you for Thank listening. You. Take care.